Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here now is part two of my conversation with my dear friend, Al Robertson. Now, Al and his wife, Lisa, have a website and they speak all over the country and help marriages and families deal with affairs and and infidelity and things like that because of what happened in their own life. You can find Al at Beardless Bro on Twitter. Or you can go to their website, alanlisarobertson.com, and we get into some more great conversation with Al Robertson of the Duck Dynasty family, Duck Commander. And here now is my conversation, part two, with Al Robertson. Well, and, and again, I think that's really what shapes, and, and, and Al, this is why we wanted, this, this is what I wanted to do with this podcast, is tell stories of, of my friends and people that I knew, because you think you know a person and you guys have had the luxury of having millions of people that, that know you. And I remember I've transitioned and I'll transition back. But uh, the first time that we met in person was on the duck commander cruise. And I'll never forget that impression in my mind of just people just wanting to touch you and your family and, and just wanting to be around your family. And man, there was probably goodness. There were probably three thousand people on that that boat, and and I'll never forget just people just connecting with you and your family in that story. You know, when you were going through your your time, and your dad said, "Hey, son, you got to change," and things like that. In your mind, looking now where you are today and seeing what your family has gone through, would that even have been possible? in 20 year old Al Robertson's mind? No, I mean, uh, you know, that's the thing about it, Brian, that's for anybody, it's, you know, periods of time or seasons, you know, that's why our first book, Lisa and I wrote was called A New Season. And when you're in a season of whatever, and in my case, it may have been, you know, a sinful life, you know, just in that season, you can't see out of that. It's so crazy because you're just, you're almost walled in. Lisa had the same experience that 15 years into our marriage, she had an affair and it just, you know, obviously destroyed us, but you know, she couldn't, she was in that season. She couldn't, it made no sense. I mean, you know, that's why I've been, the guy I've been talking to in Alabama is like, look, cause he's trying to make sense of it. He's been yeah. discovery mode. He, he, he goes back and he looks at a credit card bill and he's like, how could she do this? You know, I was like, look, it, you'll never make sense out of a season of life where the evil one is your compass. I mean, cause you're, you, you have no guide, you have no way out to see that. And so and a lot of times it's just immaturity. It's not necessarily even simple stuff. It's just a place, you know, that you're yeah. at. So I always say, if you can get that North star, you know, if you can get focused on something that allows your direction to take you to something better, then clarity is what's going to follow next. And it happened with my dad, you know, it happened with me, uh, you know, it happened with Lisa. And so I think it's hard when you're, when you're young and sometimes going through something, you're thinking, man, I, this, there's no way I'm going to get past this. And you say, no, 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 you will. Um, you know, you don't get over some things, but you can get past everything and, yeah. and allow God to heal you from that perspective. So, um, you know, I like to go back and 
you know, that's one of the things that our therapists did with us. We had a great Christian counselor. And so we were trying to figure out, well, how do we get in such a mess? You know I mean? I work for the church, yeah. you know, we seemed like we had everything together, but it was such a mess. And so she had a great process of taking us back and, and looking at things that shaped our lives. But instead of going back alone, we went back with Christ yeah. with us. So she helped us through these visualizations, like look around the room, you know, in this moment that was so defining of who you are now and all these bad things have happened. Can you see, can you see Christ there? And so, you know, it sounds kind of, kind of crazy, but you know, it really helped me to say, yeah. Yeah, I'm going back in those moments. I'm taking Jesus with me. And we're clearing some of that out and I'm finally giving it to him. So I had some of those moments, Lisa had some of those moments. It was amazing. I mean, 21 years later, you know, our marriage is, is amazing, but she yeah, was you a guy. Incredible. She was a guide. She helped us. So I always tell people they're going through situations and problems. I'm like, look, you need a guide. If, if you're, if you want to go and you want God to be with you, find you a guide. I mean, it may, it may be a Christian counselor. It may be a pastor. It may be just somebody else that's been there, but you need a guy to help you to kind of come out of the weeds, you know. When you guys were going through that, that, that time in your life, you know, because, you know, I don't, I don't know who this podcast is going to reach. It may be reaching somebody that's going through that very thing right now. Your girls were younger. Uh, what, you know, you, you talk a lot about in the, in the book, In Desperate Forgiveness, about living apart from Lisa and things like that. Are you amazed that there was no permanent fallout per se for your girls from what you guys went through? Because my, my mom and dad went through, and I, I'll be perfectly honest, my mom and dad went through a similar situation and I can still go back to, to 10 year old me being in my little league uniform, bawling my eyes out in the bathroom. I can still see that picture in my mind 38 years later. And so are you, a, are you surprised there wasn't any permanent fallout or damage to your girls through that? You know, uh, well, part of it is just healing that happens for a whole family, but there are some, some things that we see in our adult daughters that are results of, of going through that. So in the sense of permanent fallout, I mean, they're, they're healthy, you know, in that right. sense, but there's still some things that are there, you know, Anna, my oldest daughter, is very loyal and I mean just whatever you need. She's she's been yeah. working at Duck Commander since she was 16 years old. You know, if I need something, she's right there. But she's always, you know, we we know that she's got like a nervousness about her yeah. about her mom. Like, you know, she she's got to be close. So why we so I literally they live, you know, two hundred feet from yep. where I'm sitting here. And but that's a result of that. That was such a that was such a hard thing for her, the imagining of of Lisa not being there because we were apart. And so she was I don't know, around 12 years old or so at the time. So it was a really, like you said, that moment. So that's the way it affected her. And so there's always this little bit of insecurity about that. She's always checking on her mom, you know, where, yeah. where, are, you, know, where are you going? Yeah. So we, we at least I just kind of grin at each other because we know what it is. That's since she was a kid, you know, yeah. she doesn't want to lose her mom. So we see that, you know, that's, and, and you know, Lisa and I both are mature enough to understand we don't feel bad about it because you can't right. go back. But at the same time, you know where that came from. So my youngest daughter, she responded the other way. She was more angry because she and I are close to she and her mom. They clash, you know, and yeah. they're still that way. They clash. We could never live in the same place with her because, I mean, she and her mom be fine all the time. But that anger 
came from, out of that same era because her deal was at the time she's like 10 years old. It was like, nobody's looking out for my dad. Like, cause you know, Lisa was going through changes, but she was worried about me. You yeah. know, I was, nobody was looking out for me. So, you know, it's, it's funny, even those traits 21 years later, now they're both married. They got three kids each. We see it, you know, and we realize where it came from. So and we're open. We talk about it. I mean, you know, it's not like we don't, but right. we're like, you know, you're always going to have some things that shape you from your childhood and good and bad. And so what you don't want to do is you don't want to repeat the same mistakes because you tend to want to, you know, some of the things you learn, even the bad things, you'll go there yeah. to repeat those behaviors. And so I always say we did a lot of premarital counseling with couples. And I say, look, you're, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to react the way you grew up, the way your mom did, the way your dad did it, whatever the way their marriage was, or you're going to try to run a hundred miles the other way yeah. and, and want to be just the opposite, good or bad. Yeah. So I was like, you got to find some place in there to be able to extract the good things that you, that were in your raisin that you can appreciate. So I always ask couples, I'm like, tell me one thing about your parents' marriage that you see that you don't want to be like that in your marriage. And you know, yeah. that's a, that's a hard moment for you. Cause they got, I miss mom and dad, but everybody has, at least one or more, they're like, well, you know, I, I really wish my dad wouldn't be right. My mom, I don't want to do that. I mean, he'd be right, sir. He does this. He does that. So I always, and I was like, what's one of the things you want to, that they do awesome that you want to make sure you do. And so then I always talk about that, trying to find that balancing act of building your own marriage. Cause you know, if you think about it, people get married, they are a brand new family. That's so right. what it happens in that moment. It's a birth. And over time it grows just like a child would and it yep. becomes its own entity as a marriage. And so you carry forward so much of your genetics and so much of the things you learn, but at the same time you become, and I've noticed now it's interesting in my family because, you know, I've been married 36 years this year. And so now, you know, my, and then everybody else behind me, they're getting up in the 25, 28, yep. 30 year marriages. And so, and we bet we're our own patriarch of our own clans now. So mom and dad, we're blessed because they're still alive, but it's different. You know, when we when we all get together, dad's still the patriarch, but now we have our own families to lead. And, and we, yeah. you know, I have grandchildren, Willie has grandchildren. Jace will have before too long with, with, with Reed, you know, when they finally decide to have children. And so you become your own, you know, it's now its own path, you yep. know? And so it's really interesting over time how you see that happen. So you just want to be sure that you're grounded to lead, you know, a, a large family or your, you know, generations after you. We had a situation in our church years ago. And I'll never forget it. My dad and I were, were together and we were riding not far from where I am now. And I think we were coming back out here. And my dad looked at me and he said, I can help the man who was involved in, in that, in that affair. He was the one committing yep. the, the affair. He said, I can help him. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, it's not something that I really want to admit to my adult son, but I've been there. I was the, I was the man. My dad looked at me and I'll never forget. It was powerful. My dad looked at me and said, I was the man. I was the one, I was the guilty party. And he said, I could have thrown away everything your mom and I had. You guys could have grown up in a broken home because at that time it was just my sister and I, right. I was 10 and she was eight. And so we, we could have been in that situation and I'll never forget it, Al, because it was so powerful. It was a moment that my dad didn't want to have, 
but I think for him, it was a weight lifted off of his shoulder. Like, Hey, listen, two things are going to come out of this. Number one, I'm going to free myself from something I probably should have told you a long time ago. And number two is if I catch you doing the same thing, I'm going to kick your tail. (laughs) And so that was the deterrent for me was in my marriage to my wife, which will have 24 years coming up in October. That was the deterrent for me. And even to this day, my dad's been gone seven years, a little over seven years. Uh, That's the deterrent for me was, I didn't want to let my, number one, I didn't want my son to grow up in a broken home. Number two, I didn't want to disappoint my family. And number three, when you're in ministry, like I've been in ministry and things like that, you're right. What you were going through was, oh man, you know, how can somebody in ministry go through that? When you talk to people today and you share your story with them, do you get those reactions of, I can't believe that happened to you or, man, I, I know somebody that's probably going through that. What, what type of reaction do you see on the faces of people or after you and Lisa get done speaking and telling your story that you hear? You know, usually they're surprised uh, because, you know, people had this, again, they kind of, you know, if you're on television, especially, and, you know, obviously our family, you know, people like our family that are fans of the show. Yep. And so there's, they just think you don't struggle like they struggle. And it's, I don't know why people think that they just, they elevate you, you know, too much. And so I think people are surprised first of all, but then the word that we keep hearing, of course, you know, there's a lot of elements to our story. Lisa had an abortion during the period of time we were apart when I was in New Orleans. And so, you know, we talk about that and how that impacted her, how that shaped her into our marriage. And, so there's obviously a lot of facets and elements of our story that are that are pretty shocking. And, but you know, I, the word we always hear is, you know, oh, it's so courageous that you would tell this, that you, yeah. you know, so they're surprised, but at the same time, it kind of provides an opportunity to say, like you said, I mean, oh man, I wish my, I wish my cousin had been here. I, I mean, I wish my brother-in-law and his wife could have, you know, it, it was just always yeah. somebody, if it's not them directly, it's like, and I'm always like, well, look, get them this book, you know, because the reason we wrote it is because it's a ministry book. And so that's why we did it. You know, we did it so that somebody could get one and read it, hopefully be impacted by it, but then pass it on to somebody else. You know, I'm not interested in book sales. I'm interested in the story impacting people. You know, it's like the Bible. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Bible's the bestseller every year since it was printed. But, you know, nobody's really worried about the Bible in terms of a moneymaker. It's a life changer, you know? Exactly. That's kind of the reason we wrote our books, you know? How important was encouragement to you when you were walking through that season? Because Um, obviously you you didn't know what you know now. You didn't know, hey, is this thing going to get fixed? Is it going to be together you didn't know how 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 long you and lisa were going to be apart you you had a lot of questions how important was encouragement to you at that point in your life it's uh it's so important and you know an encourager a person who has that ability especially a gift you know you remember barnabas was the son of encouragement i mean like you know it's a gift that people have and you know in my life at that period of time when lisa and i were falling apart um john godwin who's you know, one of my best friends and on the show. Yeah. And, you know, John's quiet and, you know, he talked like this, you know, and ham sandwich and all that. 
and then on the show he's kind of a character only but, guy i've ever seen wear crocs to church exactly i went yeah. to church with you guys one time and i said <laughs> man god was got crocs on it oh he wears crocs everywhere <laughs> he, he, what he wore on the show with that columbia fishing shirt yep. the the under armor shorts and the crocs that's his uniform you know he wears it everywhere. <laughs> so when we yep. go and travel we because we travel with him paul a lot we yeah. like to snorkel and go to the Caribbean. And so we go, of course, we get recognized everywhere, but it's because of Godwin. I mean, I can fly kind of under the radar, but Godwin is like a magnet because he looked like he just walked off of the set of that. But anyway, so John is, is, is sort of quiet. He's not, you know, he won't talk your ears off, but he was my encourager. I mean, he was the one that just let me vet. Just, you know, sometimes, some days I was having a bad day and thinking about stuff and I was just kind of railing, you know, against Lisa. In other days, you know, I was in a better place and I was thinking, you know, maybe there's hope. And so John was that guy that, you know, had that ability to just be there. And so I always tell people when they're going through something like that or some difficulty is that, you know, sometimes just the ministry of presence as an encourager is a huge ministry. I mean, like it's so needed in that moment. Sometimes we speakers, guys like you and me who are used to talking, you know, we want to just yeah. like, give them verses, do this, do that. But sometimes you don't need all that. Sometimes somebody just needs somebody to walk alongside them, to listen and to let them talk it out. And, yeah. uh, and so, you, you know, ever, you ever got to have all those people in your life. And so I, I try to be both, you know, to people, I mean, depending on what their needs are. And uh, sometimes you just have to be quiet and be still and, and walk alongside them. I remember going to Haiti a few years ago after the big earthquake down there and we were in there pretty quick because we have a relief agency here one kingdom that's part of our church and so mike and i another guy went into haiti and this church we were going to speak there that morning with the the earthquake had part of it had collapsed and of course down there every if you've got a meet a meeting place they use it for everything so there was a nursing school that met there during the week where there were like 45 nursing students that were killed in that building and so here we are on that first Sunday, they were together and part of the thing is still like destroyed, but they're meeting in another place. And it was heavy. I mean, the feeling you could tell I me mean, there was death in the air and you know, people yeah. had just died there a week earlier. And so I just felt overwhelmed. And so we walked in and so the pastor came up to us and thanked us so much for coming. And, you know, we were obviously trying to assess damage and figure out how we could help them. And he said, you guys, by just showing up, you came here from America just by being here without saying a word you brought encouragement to my church and to this yeah. community and it really impacted me because i realized that i never said we never said a word yet and yet they were encouraged because we showed up you know yeah. in, in a dark hour for them so i've never forgotten that the, the idea of the ministry of presence and encouragement and what it means to people so sometimes it's just walking alongside last night one of our best friends from high school her son is a teenage son. She has a, she got married later. And so he's like 16 years old. He's having this, a lot of colon problems. He's got surgery mm -hmm. scheduled right now. And so Lisa, you know, is so great about it. She was like, you know, we need to call him and pray with him because we've yeah. been praying for him and kind of follow on Facebook because they don't live here anymore. And so, you know, there we are praying with, you know, our friend and her 16 year old son last night, at, you know, 10 o'clock for this surgery today. And so, Again, it's just, and she said, you'll net this so, just y'all call them. Cause you know, they follow yeah. us and they watch the live stream and all that. And they're just like, just, just the call, just that you yeah. call before we ever said a word, it encourages people. So those are the little things that you do to impact people.
And I, you know, Al, it's funny you mention that because now there are so many more ways that we can encourage people. You know, you can FaceTime, we can Zoom like we're doing here. Yeah. I got the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to speak to a group of people in Australia and New Zealand about encouragement. Yeah. And, and so now there are more ways now more than ever. As you're in, and you and Lisa are in this new season of your life right now, you guys have the Unashamed podcast that you're doing. You got, you're dropping three podcasts a week. You're talking more now than you've ever talked in your life, man. man I mean, you're hardest, doing a lot I'm of the things. hardest working unemployed man in America. <laughs> and, and, and you, you know, the unofficial title of beer wrangler, because you do the podcast with your dad and your brother, right. Jace, and, and occasionally you'll have guest appearances from the other brothers and Cy right. and, and people like that. But in this new season of your life, what's your why behind what you're doing now? You know, I think the why for me is is you you sort of realize you had, I hate to use the word career, but I mean, it's the word. So I sort of had this career uh, of ministry and helping people. And, but I was, you know, I was being paid to do it, but that wasn't really the driving force. But, right. you know, it's survival while you're doing it. And I'm at this season now because of the show and because of other things we've been able to do that I'm able to do all the things I do and not be paid. And yeah. Not, not that it's about money, but there's something that's changed that about inside me about that. And so like I've started preaching again at our church and, and I'm loving it because it's different, you know, it's different for me. And so I really feel like it's the, the purest sense of ministry since I've been doing it and I've done it most of my life that, you know, it's really not necessarily tied to a job or career or anything else, but it's just able to do what you feel like you've been gifted to do. And so my why is simply now to impact people. And a few, uh, a few weeks ago, well, I guess it's been a couple of months ago now, um, we were having a lot of people come here and a lot of people want to get baptized. And so, and we don't mind. I mean, you know, we have to kind of arrange it because, you know, to come through the church or whatever. But so I, I gave my email address. Yeah, out. just don't show up at their doorstep. <laughs> well, just don't exactly. show up and, and at we Alice's house going, I We were having that conversation yeah. in, in a kind of the typical Robertson way because a guy had just been here from Alabama and he literally just showed up at people's door. Yeah. And like I said, we have, we've had shooting, drive-bys. We, we have a lot, you know, you don't want to do that. We're very armed and dangerous, you That's know, right. but we, but we want to help you. So, so I gave out my email address. It was amazing because I, I did, you know, you say a few hundred thousand people, that, you know, and that sounds, you know, quick, but that's a lot of folks. And so I was just inundated with people with all sorts of requests yeah. and, and things. But, you know, it, it took me about two months to work my way through my email box, but I got back to everybody uh, eventually. And, and it was so much of it was just, just ministry. It was just like, I'm going through this. I'm not sure about that. Some of it we, you know, we funnel to the podcast to discuss. We use a lot of listener questions yep. to kind of fuel some of what we talk about. So some of it we discuss there, but a lot of it was just me, you know, packing out on my computer and just trying to, to give them a little bit of an encouragement, you know, the best I could it, it, with the means I had. The one person in your family that owns a computer, right? That's exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and knows how to use it. Barely. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. have to say I'm not too far ahead. But I do, I do have it, but it, you but, know, it's so, so I think that's the why I think it's, it's just, it's for folks. You can go as far as you can go. You can't be everything for everybody, but you can be something for somebody. And so that's kind of, to me, kind of take it out. And I love in the, in the last couple of minutes we've got here, I love what you just, you, you talked about there because 
you know, it's so important. You took time to respond to everybody. And, and I think that's so important in, in today's day and age because we can get so inundated with things, right? We can get right. so inundated with text messages and emails and things like that. But for you to take the time to respond to everybody that took time to, to email you, I think that is so, so great that, that you said, hey, I'm going to carve out this time to respond because somebody needs to hear, you know, somebody reached out to me, they want to hear from me. And uh, I, I think that's awesome that you did that. Well, well again, I, you yeah. know, and I, I just committed myself to doing it because once I put myself out there, and of course, you know, a lot of it was just to arrange with people what we do, but at the same time, again, it's just another way to do ministry. Yeah. And like you said, it's really been interesting because this whole coronavirus has now pivoted us into a different way, even to sort of do church in the sense of yeah. we do these live stream. And now I'm thinking like it, which, which my experience in doing our show and dad show as a, as a TV producer has really helped in our discussions to basically, we're basically producing a show yep. uh, every Sunday in terms of what we're putting out there for our church and then other people to, to experience. So it, it is pretty amazing how no matter what's going on in your culture and your surroundings, as long as you're, you know, that God is that North star, you know, he's that guiding point, then you can pivot and adapt, you know, and I've always said, Brian, I, I think this is a great sort of a test run. I've always yeah. thought at some point, unless the Lord comes back uh, before then, the church in, in our current culture is going to undergo a great persecution at some point. It's just, there's too right. many forces lining up the yeah. other way. And I think we've discovered how we would do underground, you know, together, uh, even through this period. So I, I look at it as a little bit of a test run in case that happens. Uh, I'm not hoping it happens, obviously, but if it does, if we wind up like red China, where people are in charge and look, you've seen yeah. it not to pivot into politics, but you've seen it in some governors. I mean, basically, if you want to know what communist living is like, do a pandemic yeah. where you're, you're sitting around, you're not working, you're waiting for a government check. And then people tell you what you can and can't do. And when you can go outside and rat out your neighbors and all that, you know? So, you know, look, if it happens, Hey, we've learned how to be able to do it, still connect to people still get the word of God out and the message and they won't know where we are. We'll be in a bunker somewhere in West Virginia. Well, yeah, it's exactly. Well, we had a bunker here in West Virginia to Greenbrier till they That's declassified right. it, you That's know? Right. So That's what I want to, I, I want to ask you real quick to what is your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for people out there? Because again, this pandemic, you were talking about it earlier when we got started. The biggest things we see now are fear. We see uncertainty. We, we see, okay, when are we going to get back to normal in air quotes? Well, yeah. nothing's ever going to be normal. You know, you were talking about uh, sporting events without fans. Who would have ever thought that we would play games without fans? Right. And it be, would be a made-for-television product. In, in these times of uncertainty, and you've been there, you, you talked about it so beautifully, and I appreciate you, you being so open and sharing. But what's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement to folks right now, Al? I would say no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what your situation is, you, the biggest encouragement I can give you is if you're in a bad place, uh, God can take you to a better place. And so you, some of it's just endurance. Some of it is what we're learning through the process. But it's a season. You're not going to be there forever. If you're in a great place, I mean, you're like, man, I could live this place the rest of my life because it's so good and awesome. It's a season as well. 
So you, you want to realize and say that I'm probably going to have some area of challenge that's going to happen. So I, my biggest encouragement would be you got to keep that even keel of being a child of God through any and every circumstance. You know, Paul said in Philippians that I've learned to be content no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstance, I've learned that in Christ, that's where I have to be. And so whether I'm at the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, he still is who he is. So you know, those of you in a bad place, I'm just gonna encourage you, you won't stay there forever. God can see you through that. If you, and if you're on top of the world, there's gonna be a stumble coming. It's gonna oh, be yeah. a challenge. Something's gonna happen. You saw how quickly things changed in our culture. I mean, just like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it became something different overnight. And yet the people of God, we go forward. You know, and the gospel still goes out and people are still embracing them. In fact, probably we'll have some of the greatest opportunities we've had in a long time in the next few months and years because of this pandemic. So be consistent and know that, you know, you can find what you need in Christ. Well, the Internet is on and working here in West Virginia because, you know, somebody went to the poll and turned it on. And so that's how we're able to, that's how we're able to broadcast church up here, but you're Amen. right. You know, virtual church. I mean, you know, people, you know, who would have thought the, the elevation churches and, and the people like that of the world who'd been doing it for years were trendsetters, you know, now that's everybody's right. doing it, but right. no, what a, what a great piece of intentional encouragement. I am not giving you Al's email address because I don't want everybody <laughs> to inundate him with email. But they can go on Twitter and find you at Beardless Bro. They can. And our website is alandlisarobertson.com. Uh, we have uh, weekly blogs on there. A lot and of good those stuff. are great, man. Those yeah. are so good. It's been great. My uncle's been helping us with that, Uncle Gordon. Yep. But it's it's been great. So, I mean, and again, we're still putting stuff out there. Uh, guys still opening some doors for that. we got some other books we're working on for the future. So, uh, you know, we'll just keep going until the Lord comes back. And right over my shoulder here, you can see uh, Al's dad's latest book, Phil Robertson, The Theft of America's Soul, uh, Desperate Forgiveness is up there. Bud, you've got a prominent place on the, on the bookshelf, man. I, you know. There you go. Well, we got Jesus Politics uh, is coming out in August, which is dad's newest book, and it's really good as well. And I think it's going to, uh, you know, we're still waiting on the pandemic. It's, it's supposed to release on August the 4th. Uh, so is the tentative day, unless things change. I saw last night that Hannity's got a new book coming out the same day, so that ought to be interesting. If we wind up on Hannity, I guess we can do Jesus politics versus whatever his book is. So. Would well, it be a version of Wipe Swap, except you guys would be swapping books, you know? There you go. That's right. <laughs> book Swap. I like That's it. That's exactly right. Al Robertson, man, I appreciate it. I value your friendship a great deal. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for carving out some time to be on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Absolutely, bud. You keep encouraging. You're doing a good job. Thank you, bud. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place, can be an intentional.